for tuning in to the Systematic Podcast. My name is Alicia. And I'm Priya. And we hope everyone is keeping safe and well. We know that we're in our third lockdown, but we hope that this episode today will be able to give you something to think about and something else to do. Definitely. And our podcast is about us two sisters sharing active approaches of how to align your mindset to add growth to your life and to other people as well. So this podcast is for those who are looking to work on themselves, develop their softer skill set and mindset, which will allow them to flourish as an individual. So welcome to all of our new listeners and also those who have been listening to us since last year. So in today's episode, we're really going to be focusing on something called productivity and sharing some tips around that. And we know in this current situation that we're in, we always feel like we're not doing enough. And we just want to put it out there that if you're not being productive, that's completely fine. It's, it's normal. We're all going through that phase. It is quite tough being in this situation where you're at home and you just have to sort of navigate around that. But we wanted to share some productivity tips, whether you're working from home or whether you've got other things to work on and projects and stuff, things that can help you with increasing your productivity. Definitely. And the definition of productivity is commonly defined as a ratio between the output volume and the volume of inputs. Now, productivity can mean different things to different people. But one thing I like to do is actually bust a myth and a misconception of what productivity actually is. So we usually measure this big productivity factor by the number of tasks we get done in each day. The more boxes we tick off, we feel like we are more productive. But actually, in fact, productivity is getting the important things done consistently. I mean, you could have a a to-do list which simply says, have a shower, you know, make the bed. But yes, that is productive, but it may not be such an important task, such as that project you may be working towards. Also, focusing your energy, time and efforts on only a few things makes it easier to maintain that consistency since you're not burning yourself out to do everything at once. And when you're consistent, your progress is a lot more consistent and then so is your productivity. So this really does um, bust the myth of getting lots of things done in a day and continuously being, you know, powering through your to-do list. That's what productivity is all about. But there's actually a lot more to it, isn't it, Alicia? Yeah, definitely. And I think the biggest thing that people think is the best way to be productive is multitasking. And multitasking is actually a myth. It's got a lot of downfalls compared to any any good things about it and I think we've all grown up with that sort of uh, notion that being able to multitask is a good thing a lot of people feel like they can do it at work this a sort of characteristic they may share in an interview like yeah I'm really great at multitasking but it's not actually um, the best way of doing things and, and the reason it is multitasking um, is actually misnamed because when you're multitasking you're you're trying to do two things at once, but you're not focusing on one thing. You're rapidly switching between your focus on number one and number two. So you end up doing less work and you end up being less productive. Definitely. And this concept has been um, 
really deeply addressed in the book Deep Work by Carl Newport and he really does go into the detail of the beauty of uninterrupted and concentrated work. So an average professional who may be working can experience 87 interruptions per day and this includes all the notifications that are coming up on your phone to anything from instant messaging through work platforms, everyone has Skype, um, emails, we are actually in a world and an era where we want to have interruptions. We work in open plan offices where they want to integrate the team better so we can learn and bounce ideas, which is a definite positive. But also this allows us to work in a more shallow way and not really get into the deep work, which may be appreciated in your industry or the field of work you're doing. So there's so much that's covered in the book. So the first bit is schedule time for deep work. It's allowing yourself to plan in into your schedule at a very consistent similar time every day. This could be in the morning and literally having this time blocked out, which enables the habit to be formed. An app that my best friend Ishani recommended is actually called Forest and it's such a beautiful concept. It allows you to really allow your phone to navigate through creating your own forest and growing your own trees by doing concentrated work for 25 minutes. Now the app doesn't allow you to open up other apps so you can't just leave it open and then try and play some music or try and go on Instagram which is actually a really good thing because so you're not really wasting time on your phone and most importantly this concept is called the Pomodoro effect and by the typical tomato where you have the tomato timer and then you're allowed to have that in front of you and once that buzzes you stop what you're doing you have a break and then you get back to a certain task that you're working on another concept that's covered in the book which i absolutely love is actually get bored it does sound very counterintuitive to the concept of being productive but you need to also be comfortable with boredom why? Because in this particular desired state, it allows you to really reach out and come up with ideas that you may not be coming up with when you're concentrated and into your deep workspace. So going for a walk where you're not over overthinking is actually a good idea. And once, as we all know, avoid using social media for entertainment as much as possible. So get used to doing nothing. And I know during this period, we're probably doing a little, little bit more of that than usual, but it's really good for our brain and all of the neurology that's part of forming new habits and new ideas. Also, one bit that really stuck out for me in the book is being hard to contact. So this may be via email or other distractions. It could be a number. It's just making sure that you can isolate yourself from the real world and then you can just concentrate on what you're doing. My favorite example from the book is actually about JK Rowling when she was writing the last chapter of Deathly Hallows and the whole last book itself. She really did isolate herself in a hotel in Edinburgh and was completely focused on writing the end of the book and the reason why she needed to divert her location was because she wanted to make sure that no one could contact her she was completely uh, invisible to the world and being in a new location also kind of pushed her a little bit harder. She was in a beautiful hotel, which cost a lot of money per night, but it also emphasized how important the task at hand was. And I mean, the pressure of writing the final book yeah. of Harry Potter is no easy task in itself. 
And the last point that I loved from this book was actually know your work habits. Do you work best in isolation? Like right now, we're forced to work in isolation. How's it going for you? You know, evaluate and reflect. Do you like to work with um, periodic breaks? If Have you ever even tried that in your working day from home at the moment? Or do you like to be part of a day which is completely full of meetings and packed with different interactions? I know we may be online through Microsoft Teams and Zoom, but do you like that going from one meeting to the next? Really understand how you work best because sometimes when we're attending other meetings, we're just going with the flow, but we're not working to our own best style. So I really feel like this is a great uh, point just to evaluate on your current working lifestyle. Now we're going to share some tips with you to help you with your productivity and just go over a few points that we've found beneficial ourselves and we thought we'd share it with you guys in today's episode. So the first one is understanding the Pareto principle, which is very simple. I'm sure some of you guys have probably heard of it already, but what it means is it's different activities that generate different amounts of value but you're using the same quantity of time and resources. Now, this principle was created by an Italian economist, Wilfredo, or Wilfredo, with a V, Pareto, and it's the basis of what most people know as the 80-20 rule. So what the idea is um, all about, that approximately 20% of what we do, so our most important tasks, generates about 80% of the value in our lives. So your domino should fall into the 20% of high impact activity. So what the best thing to do is as an action step is identify the 20% of your tasks that generate the most value in your life. Whether this is your personal um, tasks that you need to get done or it could be your work if you're working from home, whatever the project you're working on, find out what tasks are essentially the most important because you wanna save your best energy for that. Now, doing so will require you to set some boundaries and also eliminate tasks that don't add value. So you wanna make sure that you're focusing most of your time on what's giving you the most value. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And the second point is, being able to read and work faster. Now, this is a concept called speed reading, which is beautifully discussed in the book, The Speed Reading Book by Tony Buzan. Now, I absolutely loved reading this book because you're actually not reading this book, you're actually just doing certain exercises and prompts, and it really pushes you to guide through and guides you through a process of just being a bit more efficient. Now, there's several benefits of speed reading, and this includes improved memory and focus. Shockingly, it does impact your ability to really hone in your skill set. It will boost your confidence. Now, this is a really good one because being able to read more and cover more content, you're just going to feel more knowledgeable and you'll be able to read more books compared to the average reader. And that will give you that sense of you know what, I've covered a lot of ground, I'm able to read uh, a lot more content, and you will experience less stress as concentrating hard on words is quite intense, and it takes a lot of brain power. Sometimes people read a couple of pages and think, oh my god, I'm so ready to doze off. The reason is because you're putting so much eye strain into every single word where speed reading it works on a whole new concept is actually revolutionizes what you've been taught at school it will also activate a lot of thought leadership as the more you know the more you can change act and innovate and that's just so powerful in this age and era 
The third tip we'd like to share is something called the Eisenhower matrix. Now this matrix is also referred as the urgent important matrix. So I'm sure some of you know what I'm talking about, but what this matrix does, it allows you to decide and prioritize your tasks. And this is done by the urgency and the importance of it. So you're sorting out what's less urgent and what's more important and whether you should be delegating this work or not doing it at all. So how to actually use the Eisenhower matrix is you want to prioritize your tasks in four quadrants. So you've got urgency, importance, and then you've got non-urgent and non-important essentially. So what you want to do first will be your urgent and important. important yeah. So that's what your first focus should be. It's the important tasks that need to be done on that day. Now, the second category is important, but non-urgent. Yeah. So that is for you to schedule it in. So it's important that you need to get it done, but it's not so urgent, meaning you don't have to do it straight away. You can do it a little bit later. So you can schedule time for that later. The third quadrant is not urgent, but important. And this will require delegation. So whatever's urgent but less important, you want to be able to delegate that to other people. So can somebody else do that for you? You know, whether it's within your team at work or whether it's within your household. And then the last quadrant, which is really important, is the one where you should save time not doing because it's not important and it's not urgent. So it's considering in not doing it at all. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, Leesh. I like the way that's done. And you can color code it. You can make yeah. it fun. You can put it into your diary. There's a lot of apps available. Yeah. Um, Alicia and I have it on our computer and um, where it's literally the quadrants up there and you can put tasks in there. Remember, there's so many, we're going to be sharing so many tips is what suits you best. And one tip or in uh, kind of overarching everything we're saying is give everything a go and just see what works for you. Because Alicia and I do not do every single tip yeah, uh, exactly. every single day. We just work on what works best for us. Yeah. We've just trialed and errored and gone through our own um, just different ideas and concepts to see what works well for us. Now, the fourth tip is establishing a routine. And this could be in the morning and the evening. Do the hardest task in the morning. Let's not shy away and... Um, you know, be blind or even lie to ourselves in the sense that, yeah, like, you know what, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. Alicia and I know we have some very important tasks that we need to be doing daily, but we sometimes leave it till the end of the day and it's just so much more painful. But we will be doing a whole separate episode on our podcast about setting and embedding morning and evening routines. So please, you know, keep tuned in for further episodes. The fifth point is, if you can do it now, just do it. Um, this is a principle that Alicia and I live by. If you're faced with a task, and sometimes rather than just planning it in, you know, you've got it, you've been given a task to do, and you're trying to find time in your diary, or you're trying to jot it in your to-do list, and you just know you can just do it now. Yeah, you... especially if it's something that can be done quick. Yeah. Just do it there and then, instead of adding it onto your to-do list, because you'll just get it done, and that's it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's over. It's a, it's, a, it's a distant memory. But sometimes people just love organizing so much that they just love to add a task to their ever-growing list. But sometimes you just need to be reactive as well and also proactive too. The sixth tip is daily habits. Now, if you guys are been tuned in since day one, our first podcast was based on habits. It's really just focusing on the same task 
same time every day. But do tune in and listen to the first episode just to cover a bit more ground and, and learn things in a bit more depth. And also the seventh tip we have is goal setting. And this is actually our most recent um, podcast episode. episode that we've done. And once again, we don't want to just reiterate the same points, but goal setting also aligns with productivity as well. Nisha, what's the eighth one? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the eighth one is to fill the tank. And what this means is allow yourself to recharge. We're not robots. We're not machines who can just... Con- consistently be working we need to take a five minute break every 30 to 45 minutes now it's all about giving yourself that rest and it's just simple as that you know you can't keep working for hours on end and to take your mind off things and sort of just regain that focus it's really good to give yourself a bit of downtime to be able to do that and another thing is it it may not necessarily be five minutes after 30 or 45 minutes. It's whatever time that you need. And also in the book, Deep Work, it's actually a proven um, strategy that switching off in the evening in terms of work is actually more beneficial than just checking your emails here, there and everywhere for a few minutes. You know, sometimes when you're having dinner and you're like, you know what, let me quickly go on my phone, have a quick look. It's a hard habit to fight off. But at the moment, especially in this period, because we are, our days are a lot longer, you know, we're working a little, maybe working a little bit later. But the downtime that we need is actually allows us to focus a lot more sharply the next day. Because the book also goes into a concept where you literally say, okay, Priya, I am shutting down for the day. I have completed all my tasks and I'll be back to it in the morning. So with this research and there's so much evidence in the book it just gives you ideas and tips so i would highly recommend that you get your hands on that book and it does make sense in the light of the research that's been found on productivity is actually less to do with the amount of hours you squeeze out in a working day but more to do with the rest you have now how amazing does that sound it doesn't mean that if you're working eight hours you need to be going crazy for eight hours the concept of the four hour day is also related to how intensely you're working and the amount of value you're getting people in the corporate environment may be working 10 12 hours yeah but they probably could have done that in the less amount of time which we'll be covering shortly yeah it's not about how much time you're putting in it's literally the quality of work that you're getting out of it 100%. Now, the ninth one is sharpen the axe. So I know Alicia and I have both read the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And I love the concept of sharpening the axe. Alicia, what do you think about it? Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's really important because (laughs) doing the prep work and spending time on what you're going to do in terms of the outcome that you want is a really good method. And For me, I'm the type of person who likes to spend time on prep work because I believe if you're poorly prepared, it will reflect um, in the end result. So it's all about practicing and sharpening the axe is about prep work, really. (laughs) Let me set some time if I need to, you know, prep a presentation or I need to do something which um, requires me to really sit down and plan it out. It's important to do that. So there's lots more in, in the book. Yes. Now, the 10th tip is manage your energy and not just your time. I love this one because the key to maintaining focus and energy in shorter bursts um, and apply it in flexibility to yourself is so powerful because 
you know when you're able to get the most out of your time. You know when you work best, maybe in the morning, afternoon, evening. And getting the rest within your workday actually can lower your stress level and you can achieve better results in your dedicated time of working. So you may want to embed in a bit of exercise, a bit of meditation, especially if you're working from home because you have that flexibility right now. And some people work in offices which have a gym, which have a quiet room, you know, they have facilities available. So this is where you're managing your energy throughout the day. But the next one is a concept which is so powerful. Work expands to fill the period of time available for its completion. What does that mean? It's actually by a concept called the Parkinson's law. And this means if you are giving yourself a week to complete a two hour task, then psychologically speaking, your brain is going to increase the complexity of the task and it will make it more daunting. And you actually fill up your whole week focusing on a simple task, which should have taken you two hours on Monday morning. Now, it may not even fill the extra time with more work, but it'll just add in the stress, add in the tension. And this is a really big and powerful concept because even at university sometimes we're given two weeks to complete an assignment and we're trying to do it in the last few hours that's working in the opposite way where sometimes you're given uh, two weeks to do something that could have taken a week but it's just understanding that sometimes it's not about just filling in the time it's about understanding what the task is and getting it done in the best efficient way that you can get it done. The 11th point is learning to say no. And I think this applies with a team that you work with in in your career, but say no at work when you're assigned to a task that either doesn't fall under your job description or could be easily accomplished by somebody else or maybe the person who's asking for (laughs) it. Now, I know I've experienced this in, in my line of work as well. Sometimes I'm like, you know, you've just wasted all this time telling me you could have just done it yourself, (laughs) really. Now, it's important to say no at work because it earns you respect. Now, you don't want to be the type of person who's just like a pushover and be like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do this. Your manager says, can you do that? Yeah, I'll do that. Some random person who's not in your department, can you do this? And you'll be like, yeah, I'll do it. So it's really important that if you're not getting paid to do something at work and the task will take away time from accomplishing what you are paid to do, then saying no demonstrates your commitment to your role and also the value of your own time. Definitely. And saying no will also provide you with the time and energy to focus on what you should be doing to move your career forward. So also remember, no is a complete statement, you know there's no and there's not oh but yes or oh I'll do it no means no the 12th point is notifications off (laughs) now I know this is going to be a, a difficult one but we do really need to stop consuming so much information like our Instagram feeds Facebooks Twitter whatever it may be because our attention span is increased And when we are much more focused on the work we're doing, so when we get distracted and start going off and looking at our notification, we're um, decreasing that attention span. And the quality of our instant messaging, you know, you can literally open up your phone, WhatsApp, text. Um, It's improved quite a bit. We can literally get in touch with someone in uh, within a few seconds. But we actually should actively choose to communicate within that moment instead of being pulled away from current activity to do something else. Mm. And even the pulling force that our smartphones 
um, have. They just literally want us to pick it up, touch it, you know, sign in to all the millions of apps we have. We need to be able to use our phone in a more powerful way rather than it control us. We need to control it. So what happens to someone who's able to stay away from their phone? Now, one benefit is you're going to feel like you have more control of your time and also your own attention. You can check your social media and news channels and keep your updates going on, especially depending on what industry you're in. But when you want it and when you feel like it, you go on Instagram. You know what? I I do fancy a bit of scrolling of my favorite outfits or what to cook. It's more targeted looking rather Mm. than just shifting through. Moreover, you're going to feel more distant, but in a very good way, because you're going to be less affected by the social media comparison trap that we can all fall into. You're also going to feel like you spend less time on Instagram if you ch- if you have those apps that monitor your time and give you those statistics at the end of the day. You may even forget that you have a social media. This is definitely a positive thing. I mean, a whole day without going on Instagram, you know, the world will continue. And also you'll be more focused and mindful about where you're spending your time rather than if you're a little bit bored and you've got a bit of time, rather than just going online, going on social media accounts, you're going to think about doing other things, which is really good because now that we're spending a little bit more time at home, there's a lot more that we can be doing rather than just being glued to our phones. Now, I know a lot of us are more reactive when we see notifications. So if you switch them off, it will allow you to stop checking your phone and actually then when you're taking a break, maybe, let me me check my messages and see how people are getting on or do this and do that. So it's becoming a deliberate phone user compared to someone who's more reactive. Definitely. And uh, you may also realize that if it's urgent in terms of someone needs to contact you, they'll pick up the phone, they'll call you or they'll send you a text. And you can keep you can keep some notifications on. You don't need to go all out. I think it's mainly the apps that we tend to spend our time on. I personally have Instagram notifications off. And to be honest, that makes me check my phone a lot less because there's always something that pops up, something that someone's going to send you. And even when it comes to WhatsApp, I have a lot of chats and things on mute so that they're not just popping up randomly. Because you know how many group chats we're all in. So that actually helps for you to, you know, look less at your phone. Yeah. So notifications off can be a very powerful decision. And it was definitely covered in the Social Dilemma Netflix original um, program. And it really did. I think from that, after I watched that, I totally did switch off my notifications. So it was really funny because before recording this episode, my sister, you did say, oh, make sure your phone's, you know, on silent. Oh, it's always on silent. No notifications coming through my way. So it's really good. It just allows you to just focus on living rather than just, you know, watching other people live. And the the 13th point is automate some tasks that are repetitive. Create systems for yourself. Now, this is a really good time where you may have some energy where you can dedicate just to streamlining and organizing yourself. This may be reminders. Now, there might be some apps that are a lot more useful. Um, You can switch off the notifications, as we mentioned before, but it's just streamlining habits. It's like having direct debits versus paying your bills in a, in a timely manner direct debits are just automatic you don't think about it it's mm. already done so sometimes automating tasks can also alleviate a lot of pressure and you've effectively delegated a task to a particular machine like a software or an app and it can only make your life easier because we shouldn't be doing things that we can delegate 
and we can go back to the matrix alicia spoke about earlier yeah definitely and i think those are a good bunch of tips that we've gone through to help you with your productivity especially right now when we're all stuck indoors and it's easy to be lazy so we hope that this episode has added some value to you by sharing some of Um, some of the useful productivity tips that we have and that it can inspire you to really get into the action mode and start getting the things done that you really need to do. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review and share it with other people who you feel like would benefit from the tips that we've shared today. And also follow us on Instagram. We are at systematic underscore and let us know what other topics that you'd like us to cover and and share about in upcoming episodes. So we will catch you on our next session. Bye for now and we wish you all the best. Have a great week. Bye.